0: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I just want to take a minute and let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. So for today, our student ministries pastor, Devin Snellgrove, is continuing our series, Seeds of Transformation. And we have a newcomer's lunch coming up shortly here on May 7th, and it's a great time to connect with the leadership at Southview, but also with people that are new to Southview as well. And it's a free event but we would ask that you register on Realm or our website, and that would help us make sure that, importantly, there is enough food. Lastly, on May 18th, we have a baptism class coming up. And if you're curious about baptism and what it means or how to take that step, then please join us. The class is online and you can register again on Realm or our website. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint. And you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. Or you can go on Realm and join the group, Southview Family Updates, and that'll make sure that you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, then we would love to hear from you. You can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer and additionally you can always find us on instagram and facebook but now today no matter how you're joining with us may each of our hearts be open and expectant because god is here and jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit let's seek the face of god together
1: Hello everybody. So my name is Devin, in case you don't know who I am. And I'm on staff here at Southview and I get to work with our students here at Student Ministry. So now we get to find out, finally, this is like the most important question. Who listens better? Students? Adults. <laughs> now now we giggle, but we got some really good listeners in our, our youth ministry, so I do hope that uh, you've brought your listening ears this morning as we dig into God's Word together. But I'm truly honored to get to share from God's Word with you this morning. It's a real privilege to open up his word and unpack it. So if you don't know, we're in a series called "Seeds of Transformation," and it's working us through what it looks like after we were transformed from salvation. And John has a lot to say about it. So we're working through the second half of First John during our time together. And if this is your first week and you're diving in, I do encourage you, go back and listen to the other ones because it builds off of each other so well. But tonight, we're going to be talking about love. Now, John dedicates two full chapters to talking about love in a very short letter. And the reason why this is such an area of importance for him is because the people that he's writing to, they're facing this tension. There's false teachers, and they're leading people away from God. And so he's writing in this, and he's trying to help people see what it looks like to have people that are transformed for Jesus, so they know who to listen to and who to follow. And the challenge that he lays out over these verses is to love one another. Now, for those of you that have been here over the last few weeks, I'm sure you're noticing, you're like, wait a minute." I talked about love the last two weeks, and now Devin's up here talking about love. Is, is there's just, it's gonna be the month of love? Like, what, what's happening? And the reason why we're talking so much about love is because John spent so much time talking about it. We're just working through what he has to say. He, there's repetition in his letter, and it's there intentionally. A couple weeks ago, we did our Apostles' Creed discipleship pathway. And during that time, we talked about the importance of repetition. It's good in our lives because it helps us in our jobs. Like I guarantee if you had someone that was gonna build your deck, the words, hey, this is my first time, not very encouraging. But if you hear, oh, I've been doing this for 10 years, you're like, okay, I understand. And repetition in our lives is important, but it's also important in Our spiritual lives as well because through repetition we have this lasting impact and just like God's love has a lasting impact on us as well. So I'm both excited and nervous as we come to this chunk of scripture. I'm excited because this is an important message to talk on and I'm nervous because John doesn't pull his punches so it makes it a little bit harder for me because he just speaks out truthfully. So we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 21, and the point that he is trying to make is that our lives or our relationship with God is directly affected by how we love others. I'll say that again. Our relationship with God is directly affected by how we love others. So if you haven't already, open your Bibles to 1 John, if you use the phone app, open it up to that. We're going to be starting off in verse 7. But let's remember, this is the word of God. God. So in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. and Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God, or does not love, does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So there's a lot in this scripture, and I wanted to read the whole thing so we could see the whole picture of what's being said. But we're going to be working through this chunk by chunk. So I encourage you, keep your Bibles open, keep your apps open as we work through this. So the first chunk we're going to be looking at is just verse 7 and verse 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So I want to park on the word beloved for a second. It's the first word in what we're reading. Some translations break it down as dear friends, but this Kind of address shows that John isn't just writing to random people. He's writing to people that he knows, people that he cares about. There's a closeness. So when John shares with the audience, he's sharing out of a place of care, sharing out of a place of love for them to understand, to move, and to grow. Not out of a place of judgment or anger, and he's not trying to make them feel down, but he is going to challenge them and how they are living. So now that we've paused on the word beloved, It makes reading the rest of this a lot easier because we understand the relationship. So then he says, here's our main point. Love one another. Why? For love is from God. His very being is love. And because God is love, we are able, or he's able to set that standard for us. He's able to say, This is what is expected. So, love should be an identifying marker for those who follow him. Out of that love, we should see how we behave, how we act. And that's why when he gets into verse 8, he says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So, again, John's saying, God is love. He's really emphasizing this point. The word love is said a lot in this section of Scripture. But he's also wanting them to understand that if you do not love, then you do not know God. There is an emphasis and an expectation on if God is in us, then his love will come out of us. And he continues on to keep talking about that as he keeps adding on to this idea and repeating it over. So in verse 9 through 12 is our next chunk we're going to be looking at. And it says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved, but that God, he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. As I was reading through this, another writing of John kind of came to my mind. And it's because there's similarities in what he's saying, and that's John three sixteen and 17, a verse that I remember writing on my application when I went to Bible school. And so John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, this transformation of salvation that people who follow Christ have comes from this very love of God. It was out of his love that all of this happened. And John makes it very clear that it is not our love that brought salvation to us. It's not our works. It's not what we have done. It is what he has done. It's what our Savior has done. It was through God's love and his love alone, his actions alone. And out of that, he sent his son, Jesus, who lived here on earth, fully God, fully human. He experienced everything that humanity experienced. But he did not sin. He lived a perfect life. He was betrayed by one of his disciples, and he went to the cross. He didn't commit any crimes, but he died there, and he did that to to take on our sin. Not just our sin as the people in this room, but the sin of the whole world over generations of time. He took that sin upon him. Then he rose three days later, defeating it. He did that so we could have that closeness with God again. We could come in relationship. We weren't able to save ourselves, but he was. So it's not out of our love. It's out of his love. We have eternal life because of God's love. So John then challenges his reader to love one another. And he isn't just saying love when it's convenient. He's not saying love when you like the person, he's not saying love when it's your neighbors that you enjoy hanging out with or your coworkers that you love to talk about life with. John is saying, love in a way that it is sacrificial. Love in a way where it takes more. love in a way where it's even the people that you don't like or the people that you struggle to get along with. Love even out of that, just like Christ loved us. And although our actions do not save us, it's only through faith in Jesus, John lays out this expectation that we are to experience and share this kind of sacrificial love out towards the others around us. In fact, the way that we can easily show love to God is in how we love and care for the people around us. There is a direct connection between how we care for God and how we care for others. So then, as we come to this next chunk, verses 13 through 19, what do, we, what do we get out of this when we live in this love? Well, let's read together. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So you're even noticing as we work through this this repetition, you know, he's he's hitting the main point, every chunk that we have worked through, and he's reemphasizing that. But then he also talks about what it means to have God abiding in us and for us to abide in him. And in theory, we know this. In theory, we understand it. At the point of salvation, we have God inside of us. So he's abiding in us. He's living in us. However, it's easy for us to get to that point and just stop and say, okay, God's in us. He's working in us. That's, that's good enough. But if we stop there, we don't fully understand the magnitude of the love that we have received. We don't fully understand how much God's love actually means to us. Now, John says that when you fully experience this love, three things will happen. First, we will have confidence in the day of judgment. Now, if you're anything like me, if you have similar thoughts like I do, there are times when I'm insecure in my faith. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you've ever experienced that before, but I am sure I'm not alone in this. I've had many times in my life where questions like this have come to my mind. Questions like, what if I'm not good enough to be a Christian? Or what if I haven't done enough to really be loved by God? Now, I talked about John 3.16. I know in my head what this truth is. But at times when insecurity comes in, it's very easy to fall into that. And then be stuck in a false truth. And then just be left there but when we come to realize the love and the magnitude of what Jesus did on the cross for us as when it sits in you and it resonates with you when you have those moments of insecurity and we still will we're human we're not perfect it's his love that pulls you out of it you know when i think well i'm not good enough i'm reminded well of course i'm not good enough but it's not by my works that i have salvation it's by his by what he did on the cross. So one day, we will go before God. One day, we'll be there to answer for our lives and how we lived. But we have confidence for those of us who believe in him, because when we go before God, Jesus is going to say, I died for him. His sins are forgiven. I died for her. Her sins are forgiven. We already are children of God. We will have full confidence when we walk in this perfected love through God. And second, when we realize God's love, there is no fear. So, much like where there is light, there can't be darkness, where there is love, there can't be fear. But what does John mean by that? Are we just never going to have fear of anything? No. What he's saying is when we experience God's love, we don't have to look at God in a a way of fear. We don't have to fear God. Now, I am very certain that when we go before him when we truly experience his majesty and how he is, we're still going to be in awe of him. We're still going to have respect towards him, but we don't need to look at him with fear. And this is because... Out of his love for us, he cares for us so much that that fear doesn't need to be there. And there's no beautiful or no more beautiful image of that than that of the prodigal son. It's one of my favorite Bible stories. I I speak on it to the youth quite a bit because it's one that just just like hits home every single time. And it reminds us of how much God actually loves us. So in case you don't know the story of the prodigal son, I'll run through it rather quickly and then share uh, the verse that always like sinks into my heart as we come to the end of it. So the story sets up, Jesus is sharing. It's the third in succession of different stories. And he talks about how there is a father and there's two sons. They work for their father, they live there. But the youngest son just thinks that life is just okay. He thinks that's just enough. And he wants to experience a different kind of life. He wants to go out into the world and see what what he can find, see what he can get into. So he goes to his father, and he says, I would like my inheritance. Now, his father's not ill. His father's not dying but what he's saying culturally to his father is, I want to leave the family. I want my cut so I can go, I can do my own thing. And you're better off dead to me than alive. Kind of heavy. Students, never say that to your parents. But he says this to his father, and the father could have said no. The father could have you know, locked him in his room and had him think about it. But he says, okay, and he gives him his inheritance. And the next day, the sun has gone. He goes out into the world. He experiences life. And he's throwing money left, right, and center. Before you know it, money's gone. There's a famine in the land that he's living in. All of his friends have magically disappeared. Why? Because the money's gone. They weren't really his friends. And the sun is at the lowest of low, He's working in a pig farm. Which culturally, for a Jewish person, to even be around pigs, what made him completely unclean. And he's looking at the slop that he's feeding these pigs and going, that looks like a tasty snack. That's how hungry he is. And while he's in this lowest moment, he remembers his father. And he thinks on how his father treated his servants. How they always had food, how they always had clothing, how they had good shifts that they worked, how they had housing, they had places to live. Now, the son has already said, I want to be separated from the family. But in his mind, he's like, maybe if I go back and I beg and I show the father what I've realized, maybe he'll let me be a servant. Maybe I can be the lowest in the family. So he gathers up what he has, and he heads back to his father. And as he gets close, his father sees him. His father runs to him. His father hugs him. Puts new clothes on him, puts jewelry on him. Gets a nice fattened calf out. They're going to throw a party. And he says these words in Luke 15, verse 24. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is why we don't have to fear our heavenly father. Because in a world where we hit rock bottom, he is looking for us to return home. And out of that love, he accepts us back in. Whenever whenever there's a person that comes to God that surrenders their life, there is a celebration that happens over the joy of someone lost returning. So we don't have to have fear when we understand how much God loves us. Because that love is impacting. That love changes forever. Changes us forever. That son It doesn't say, but I guarantee you he served the Father wholly for the rest of his life. And he he never looked back or thought the life I had before was better. And the third thing that changes us is our ability to outpour love. When we experience this deep kind of love, it makes it easier for us to share it with others. That's why John says in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. When we experience this love, it fills us up. When we experience any kind of love, it fills us up. You think about, you know, if you go and help someone, that, if you help someone that's struggling with homework out of love for them, they're going to feel filled up because you helped them with homework. Or if you had a really long day at work and a friend comes by and says, like, here's a meal, here's a drink, go sit down, Relax. You feel, you feel that love, and it fills you up. I like to think of love like a, getting a glass of water. You have your glass, you go to your tap or your Brita, and you, you start pouring the water in. And once you get near the, the top of the filling, you go, okay, that's enough, and you set it down. Well, that's normal love. But when we experience this love that comes from God, it's everlasting. It'd be like putting the ho- that cup under the tap and turning it on, and as it fills up, it just keeps pouring out, and it keeps pouring out, and it keeps pouring out. That love doesn't have a limit. And because of that, as it pours out of us, it should come out in how we behave. It should come out in how we act. My dad always told me, what I take in is what I'll give out. And when we take in God's love, it should come out of us. That love should be an identifying marker of us being followers of Christ. Now I would love to say, there's the sermon, amen. We have two more verses to cover. And that talks about what happens if we don't live in this love. Verses 20 to 21 says, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother Whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We cannot love God and hate others. It doesn't work. And John says, anyone that says otherwise is a liar. Now this is the harsh truth that I was talking about earlier, and this is the reason why I was nervous. Because our love from God shows in how we treat the others around us. And this is why John wrote that in this letter. It's because he's experienced that fullness and that love from God. And he's living every day as best as he could to pour that out towards others. And that type of Love outpouring it impacts people in a whole different way that 's how my family became Christians. We had neighbors that just loved on us like crazy, and eventually my parents asked them what 's wrong? Why are you so different?" and they said it 's because Jesus loves us, so we show love towards others and It led us to going to church. It led my parents to God. then shortly afterwards, through the kids ministry, shout out to Spencer it I was led to Jesus as well. And now I get to serve him every day, and it's absolutely beautiful. This kind of love, it changes. So as I was getting ready for this message, as I was preparing, I had this question kind of sit on my my brain, on my soul, and I've been reflecting on it a lot in these upcoming weeks leading into this message. So I want to share it with you today. And the question is, If only our love towards others showed our relationship with God, how many would know that you are a Christian? Just by how you treat others, just by how you show his love, how many would look at you and say, there's something different about that person? Or even to the extreme, say, what's wrong with that person? Why are they always nice? That would be a good thing for us to hear. And as I was working through this and in preparation, and I, whenever I come to speak, I always wrestle with the scripture because it kicks me in the butt just as much as I hope it kicks other people in the butt. But I came to the realization that I could love better. That the way I, I care for people is not up to par yet. I still have room to grow. I still have time to work on it. And I need to work on it. Now, and I know that I'm not alone in thinking that. I'm sure a lot of you are sitting here saying, yep, Devin could love better. But I hope that you also think that for yourselves. Now, just imagine with me if we as a church said, we're going to work on love. We're going to work on understanding how much God loves us and then pour that out towards other people. There's over 1.3 million people here in Calgary, but there's not over 1.3 million Christ followers. Lots of people are looking for and need God's love. And here's the best part, not everyone even knows that they need it. But if we woke up every morning and in our prayers we just said, God, give me an opportunity to show your love today, I have great confidence in saying that he would give you opportunities to do that. And then as you outpour that love towards other people, God will work because we get the privilege of being the example of his love. We get the honor of sharing that with the people around us each and every single day. So let's lean into his perfect love. And what better way to lean into his love than to come to the communion table today? We remember the impact of Christ's actions on the cross Whenever I come to communion, I think of Romans 5 verse 8 and how it reminds us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's Through his actions, we've received the gift of being God's children and freedom from sin. So we come to communion and we thank you, Jesus, that this bread represents your body broken for us. And that this cup represents your blood poured out for us. God, may your love help us worship you wholly. And may this food be spiritual food for us. Amen. So as we come to the cup, peel back that top layer, pull out the bread. Just hold it here for a second. This is his body broken for us. Let's take together. Then we peel back that second layer, revealing the cup. And this is His blood, His love poured out for us. Let's take this together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are such a great example of love. God, I pray that we would lean into this love, that we would understand how much you care for us, and that we would live it outwardly towards everyone around us. God, bring us opportunities to show your love to other people. I pray this in your great and heavenly name. Amen. So thank you for joining us today. But know that our worship is not over. Feel free to connect and to visit with people out in the Cardo, if this is your first time, please visit us at the Newcomb Center. Go in and give Pastor Clyde a fist bump. He'll love it. But we also want to get to know you. We want to help you get connected and be a part of this community. And if you have not done already, our succession team is, has put together a survey. So please pull out your phones, scan the QR code, take a couple minutes, fill out that survey. And if you're like, digital things aren't my thing, we have them at our information center out there as well. Will you stand with me for this closing benediction? So as we go out, may God's perfect love pour out of us in every action. May the people around us know we love because Christ first loved us. And may we do this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Go in love. Have a good week.